Hello, and welcome to the LVP Architects podcast. In this podcast, we'll touch on responsibilities. As other podcasts, we've discussed key questions you need to ask yourself. So in order to know your responsibilities, you know you need to know the role that you've been appointed to, which procurement type, and who is your client. The initial stages, you know, sort of zero to three, Reba Planner works you'll find yourself at the front end. So your appointment is more design based, you know, so you may be going through at the very beginning to help develop a brief, you know, so what are your responsibilities to the client at that point? Uh, Through to feasibility, to initial concept design, what responsibilities do you think you have? You know, what is your appointment for at that point? What's your scope of works? So apart from the obvious design, What are you responsible for? Coordination is pretty much a given. I could list out all the things that you would put in a scope of works, but they vary depending on the size of the project and the type of client, you know, whether they're uh, relatively new to this or very experienced and the size of the project, small to very large. Your appointment and responsibilities may be quite constrained and dictated by the requirements. They may be more flexible and you suggest your role and responsibility. So your responsibilities will will be focused on your scope of works. And uh, like we say, in those early stages, your responsibilities are more about advice, um, not just design. So planning advice, any any legislation advice that you need to give them, any regulations um, that need to be met, requirements, you know, such as, as uh, CDM requirements, you know, advance warning of what the project that they wish you to design will have as you develop it, what impact it may have on the site or by the site to the neighbours, future considerations that the client needs to take in. Once you pass that point and planning has been approved, your responsibilities in stage four to six may change, depending on what type of procurement. Four is, you know, advancing the design, so technical design, so there's an awful lot more coordination, any um, building systems, design programs, you know, you, you, you're you now in the realm of much more advanced advice to the client, you know, the phasing of things, HSE, building regulations, you know, all of this stuff, and again, your role is to advise, you're, you're designing but you're advising, you want to try and, and make this project flow And usually you will be appointed as lead consultant. So coordination of others. Once you're past stage four and you're into construction, depending on where you're appointed. So if you're still, if you remain client side um, in a DMB or uh, your, your role will be more observing and commenting on information you get and your site visits will be on reviewing and, and seeing that it is being built as the ERs or as any information that had been submitted and approved by you and the client. Now, if you're client-side and it's traditional, it's a very different role in respect of you're going to site more often to see that the design that has been signed off and the details that have been signed off initially by the client are now being followed through by the contractor and their subcontractors. You're trying to anticipate any adjustment that may be needed in the design um, or adaptability for 
issues that arise. Um, in a DMB, your role, if you're appointed to the contractor, will be very different. You won't visit site as much. You're, you'll still have your responsibilities in terms of design um, and coordination, and you are usually still the lead, appointed as the lead consultant. Your responsibilities will be, you won't be on site as potentially as much and because of the role difference versus if you were client-side or you are in a traditional um you you won't be going around checking that things are built exactly as you drawn. That responsibility falls more on the contractor in a DMB. So you might not snag as much as well. That might be more in-house by the contractor, whereas a traditional or client side for a DMB snagging will be one of your role. If you don't know what snagging is, it's you know just before handover you've been. You, well, not just before handover. Usually you may have been going around as things are being finished, noting items of construction that aren't quite to the standard that they should be. You know, that, I don't know, maybe touch up of paints because there's been some scratches because of delivery of furniture. Or maybe door frames aren't quite right or the doors are scratched or, you know, whatever it may be that are snagging items that need to be resolved before the build is handed over to the client. So your responsibilities, like I say, in different procurements will change. So my advice is kind of write the procurement routes and in the rebuild work stage timeline, just, just note down potential responsibilities that you might have. What would be your scope of work? And this will help you answer a question because we uh, mentioned it in a previous podcast about, you know, if there's an issue on site, what do you do? Now, what's your responsibility? Most of the time, it's down it's on the contractor because they are responsible for the site itself but it's it's what's your reaction to that what input do you need to put in for any resolution of the, those issues so again responsibilities in your role so architects one thing um, if you're appointed as a principal designer in the early stages then you have additional responsibilities though you may have a separate appointment or it may be the same appointment, but with those uh, responsibilities added. You know, there are certain procedures that that role demands, so there are additional responsibilities. You're constantly recording the risks and adding to the health and safety file that you've just begun. If you're a contract administrator, your responsibilities, again, are different. There are additional responsibilities. So when it comes to the exam questions, just remember... What is your role? What are you appointed for? Make an assumption if it's not very clear so that that helps dictate your answer. The other thing is the reason I'm not listing out all the responsibilities possible is because it, it does vary greatly. Usually the exam questions will, will tell you a little bit about your role and you can just respond to that. Uh, like I've said previously, if it's a bit vague, make assumptions, set those assumptions at the beginning of your answer and then go in depth of what you would do or what needs to be done. The key thing here is if you're not sure and you just, whatever reason, have a blank and you can't fill in uh, an assumption, write down where you would find this information. You know, it's, it's, everything is, you know, it's all very good and well knowing everything off the top of your head, but in life when you're running projects, not just one, two, three, you know, you're going out and the project's at a different stage. You, you know, you refer to documentation 
that you have that will help advise you if you're kind of not quite sure about your role. You know, it's it's the scope of works. The agreed appointment document is there for a reason. So it's about demonstrating you understand either off the top of your head your responsibilities or you know exactly where to look for that information. I hope it's been helpful. I hope you've it's clarified a few things, uh, made you think a little bit more structured in in how you could respond to exam questions or, or your case study. I think in the next podcast, we'll, we're still on subjects to learn. So the next podcast, we'll talk a bit about construction and maybe we'll tie that in with building control. See you soon.